One thing that I find super fascinating, and you might or you may not, is pickpocketing. Pickpocketing. You guys know what pickpocketing is? So much so that I tried it out this morning on some of y'all. Check your pockets. I'm sorry. <laughs> I find pickpocketing interesting, not because I'm a thief or anything, but because the concept of being able to take something from someone else without them noticing right in front of them is like, how do you miss that? Like, I don't know if you've seen the videos of like these professional pickpocketers where it's like you're watching the video and they're literally taking someone's wallet right in front of them and you're like, how do you not see this? Like, are you serious? Or they're like taking off their watch and they're just like tricking them over here. It's like, they just took your, your like nice watch. They took your wallet and like, they're like, oh, now check your pocket. It's like, yeah, where'd my phone go? It's like, they take it right in front of them. And the ability of being a good pickpocketer is similar to what it takes to be a good magician. And it comes down to this thing called the art of misdirection. And what the art of misdirection is, is that, hey, look, person that I'm going to take something from, I'm going to have you focus right up over here, look at, look at my hand right up here, and guess what I'm doing with this other hand? I'm in your pocket taking away your wallet, and now you have no money, and you're sad because you're broke. It's like, like they're tricking you, saying, hey, I want you to look over here, and what you're not really going to see is what really you should be focused on, which is taking the valuable items from you. When we talk about focus, Satan, similar to a pickpocketer, is really good at getting us to focus on things that really we shouldn't be focused on. Satan, who's the master deceiver, wants our focus and our gaze to be on things that God would say, hey, let's not focus on those things. And we need to learn from the passage that we're going to look at this morning in James chapter 1 and how to focus on things that really matter. The believers in James chapter 1, which go ahead and turn there if you haven't already, in James chapter 1, they're going through difficult times. As a series called Pop Quiz as we've been talking about, they're going through trials, these difficult situations in their life. And they might be tempted to, while they're going through this difficult time, to be focused on the things that they shouldn't be focused on. And James writes to them to speak to them specifically about, hey, this is where your focus needs to be. And we would be wise to learn from them, as, from James as well, to say, hey, what should our focus be as believers? What are the things that we should focus on? What are the things that we shouldn't focus on? Let's see what James has to say about that topic. In James chapter 1, looking at verse 9, it says this. James says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So James here is writing to two different categories of people. And as, you, as we read that passage, you can kind of see the two different groups of people. There's the lowly brother, and then there's this rich person. And part of the challenge of this passage is identifying who these individuals are. I mean, the rich person, I think, is pretty clear because of the term brother there. We say, okay, this poor person, lowly brother, is characteristic of a believer who doesn't have a lot of money. So doesn't have a lot of wealth. He's lowly. He's humble in nature. Not that the world would say, wow, that person's got a lot of money. It's like he doesn't have very much, which would be typical of believers at this time. Because remember, as we were talking about in the first sermon in this series, that the people that he's addressing are Christians who were dispersed outside of Jerusalem because what was happening in Jerusalem? Anyone remember what was happening in Jerusalem that made the Christians want to leave there? Anybody? 
persecution. They're being persecuted for standing with Christ, for being Christian. So they say, hey, well, we want to leave Jerusalem because we, we don't want to be persecuted. Well, guess what? Think about it. If you were to just get up and move somewhere else in the first century, it's like, well, you're kind of leaving your, your house. You're kind of leaving your job. It's like these people who are getting up, moving away, kind of fleeing to escape persecution. It's like they don't have very much. So to the lowly brother, which this is the poor Christian, James reminds him, hey, don't be so focused on the amount of stuff that you have. I know you don't have very much, and you might be discouraged. You might be down. Hey, what you really need to think about, and you should boast in, he says, is in your exaltation. Well, what is that talking about? Your exaltation. He's saying, don't focus on your earthly position of not having a lot of money. Focus on your spiritual position, which is, hey, if you're right with God, you're exalted with him. You're a child of God. You're one of his own. That's what you should keep your focus on. So, okay, I get it, Nathan. The, the lowly brother is a, a poor Christian that doesn't have much. Well, now, who is, who is this, this rich individual? Now, this is where it gets a little trickier because you think, oh, man, is this a, is this a, is a rich person a Christian or are they, are they not a Christian? And which makes it even trickier is that scholars are about split 50-50 on this, which isn't very helpful. It's like half of them think this rich person is not a, not a believer, and why the people who say this rich person is not a Christian is because they say, hey, look at verse 9. It says the lowly brother. Ooh, that means brother. That, that would be like family of God. That would be a Christian. Well, we don't see rich brother say there, so this must be characteristic of a, a non-Christian. Maybe if you've heard this passage preached before, that's the assumption that you've made. And I think the first time that I remember reading this passage, I thought, man, yeah, there's no rich brother in there, so this must be characteristic of a non-Christian. Another argument they would say is, well, the rich person should boast in his humiliation. Well, it's like, well, is it, would a rich Christian be humiliated? It's like, no, if they're right with God, they're not going to be like humiliated in the end. It's like, no, they're going to be in a good place in the end. So those are some of the reasons why they say, hey, this rich person is, is not a Christian. And so when James writes here to the rich, they would say non-Christian, they would say, hey, the rich Christian or rich non-Christian, should boast in his humiliation. He's being ironic there. It's like, hey, rich person, yeah, be really prideful about all the stuff you've got, because guess what? You're going to be humiliated in the end with this eternal punishment. You're going to pass away. You're going to fade away. It's like, yeah, have fun. It's kind of an ironic statement by James. Yeah, boast about all those things, because guess what? It's going to fade away. I think there's some good arguments for why they think this rich person is a non-Christian, but I would agree with the other side of scholars. I think that this is particularly speaking to someone who is a believer. You say, well, why, why would you say that, Nathan? Well, part of it is in the, the, the Greek text of how this, uh, these, these phrases are put together. Um, the rough translation of verse 9 would be, um, the brother, the humble one, should boast in his exaltation. So he's saying the brother, the humble one, and then later in Verse 10, he says, the rich. So it almost seems as if the intent of James here in verses 9 and 10, if you bring them together, even though the word brother isn't used in verse 10, to be a comparing and contrasting two brothers. Like, oh, brother one, and then here's brother two, and I don't need to say brother again because you're just assuming I'm comparing and contrasting two brothers here as well. Another reason why I think it's um, more characteristic of a Christian is because I don't think you naturally would read verse 10 with irony. 
If you just were straight up reading James 1, 9, it said, hey, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Okay, yeah, the lowly brother should, should be excited about being right with God, being exalted with God. And then you'd read verse 10, it says, oh, the rich person should boast in his humiliation. You would have to read that with irony, like, okay, yeah, he shouldn't boast in his exaltation if he's not a Christian. So you kind of have to make a little jump there to say, oh man, this is specifically referring to a non-Christian. Rather, we should read it straightforward and say, hey, the rich person should boast in his humiliation. Maybe you're like, wait, what, what humiliation should a rich person boast in? If you look at James 1.1, James describes himself as a servant of God. We said in the first sermon in the series that that's best translated a slave. The rich person shouldn't get super prideful and the rich believer shouldn't get super boastful about all of his stuff because he should remember what? He's a slave of God. He's a servant of God. He shouldn't think he's this cool, hot stuff because, oh man, I've got the biggest house. I've got all the money. Look at me. It's like, hey, no, you should remember that you are associated. You're a follower of Christ who was what? Despised, rejected, humiliated. So in this comparing and contrasting the poor brother with the rich brother, how I would take this passage and many scholars to say is, hey, this poor believer is tempted to feel that, oh man, I'm not very significant because I don't have a lot of stuff. Maybe that's you guys in junior high. You probably don't have much stuff. And you think you're not that great because like, oh man, people have way more stuff than me. He's saying, hey, rather than being discouraged, a uh, poor Christian, hey, remember that you're exalted with Christ. You're, you're um, a child of God. It should cause you to be excited, to be boastful. Well, on the other hand, you rich Christian who's tempted to think you're super great because you've got all this stuff, hey, remember that you are a slave of Christ, as James 1 says. Remember, you're associated with the one who is despised and rejected. And it's really easy for us, as people who live here on earth, to be caught up in comparing one another, comparing us to each other based off of earthly standards. It's like, okay, well, I've got more knowledge than, than he does, so I must be better than him. Or, man, my family is more wealthy than this girl, so I think I'm better than, than she is. This passage is challenging us to not think for from world standards, saying, oh, I'm greater than so-and-so because of our earthly status, but rather focus on our spiritual status, being right with God. We're made brothers equal in God's sight. Why should I not be concerned with earthly status? Why should I not care if I've got a lot of money or a little money? Why should I not care if I'm super popular or, or don't have a ton of friends? Why should I not care about these earthly things? Point number one, write it down this way shouldn't care about those things because we need to realize life is short. Life is short. Why should I not care so much about having more stuff than other people? Why should I say I'm someone, which I don't, by the way, and I've got like a mansion and like a lot of money? Why should I not be so concerned about that? Well, what James 1 verses 10 and 11 would say, hey, you need to remember rich person, rich Christian, that, that life is short. It's not as long as you think. You think you got a lot of time? It, it goes quicker than you think. Look back at James 1. Why should the rich not boast in their spiritual status, or not boast in their earthly status? Well, there's an analogy given in James 1, the second half of verse 10. It says, because like a flower of the grass, he, the rich, is, is going to fade away. Say, so, hey, remember, rich person, you like the poor person, one day you're going to die. You're going to die. And what's good all the, the riches that you had? 
it doesn't really matter. Verse 11 says, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. It's like, hey, think about flowers for a second. It's like, how long do flowers last? It's like, I've gotten flowers before for like Becca or for like my mom for Mother's Day. It's like, oh, here's some flowers. And then you like visit like a week later and guess what? They like already threw them out because they died. It's like, they don't last very long. It's like, flowers, I don't know why ladies like them so much. It's like, they die so quickly. It's like, give me something that'll last a little longer. Guys, get ladies flowers in the future. Um, don't take that as Nathan said, we can't, we're not supposed to get flowers. It's like, they, they just don't last very long. Or like grass. Like, how long does, does grass survive? It's like, well, if you, if you don't water the grass, it's like, like it'll die like the, the next day, especially if it's as hot as it is today. It's like, la- grass doesn't last very long. It goes super quick. Well, so too do our lives. We think that, oh, you got a lot of time. It's not as much time as we think. Maybe you're someone who says, well, man, I'm, I'm 13, I'm 12. I've got my whole life ahead of me. Well, you need to realize that, hey, our lives, we're gone very soon, a lot sooner than we think. Psalm 90, verse 10 says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. It's like, well, the duration of our lives averages between 70 or 80, which is true. It's about 78 years old. It says, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Because you're so young, you might be tempted to not think too often about, about death. Because, oh, it's, that's way off in the future. I'm just 12 and 13. I'm just getting into junior high, or I'm soon going to go to high school. It's like, that's way off in the future. We need the reminder of Psalm 90, verse 10. So remember that we are soon going to be gone. Our life is very short. Let's think about it for a second. The average lifespan of, of just right now is about 78.6 years old. The average lifespan, 78 years old. How many of you guys are 13? 13. Okay, a bunch of people. Uh, 12? 12? Okay, and then probably a couple on the ends of that. If you're a 13-year-old and you make it to the average lifespan of 78 years old, you've already completed 16% of your life. 16%. You're almost 20% through if you make it to, to the average lifespan. It's like, oh, okay, that's... Still got some time. It's like already almost 20%. It's like, man, it felt like my life wasn't hasn't been that long so far. Almost 20% through. Crazy. If you made it to 78 and you're 13 years old, you would have only 780 months left. It's like, oh well, that seems like a big number. Like 780 months. If you're a seventh grader, you've been in junior high for three months. So it was 783. Now it's only 780. It's like, well, those months are like. Those months go by pretty fast. It's like, okay, days, 23,725. That's it. If you make it to 78, 23,725. It's like, man, a day seems like it just goes like this. Like, uh, except when you're in class and it feels like class is going for like a day. It's like a two-hour class. Or like the sermon, it feels like it's been a day. It's like, okay, outside of those situations, like 23,000, that's not that many days. How many waking hours? 332,150 hours, roughly. That's how many hours you got left. Now, by the end of the sermon, it'll be 332,149 hours. By the end of today, it'll be less than that. It's like, that's, that's not very long. You're a sixth of the way done through your life if you make it to 78. 
So the, the life that you've lived so far, 0 to 13, you only have five more of those. That's it. Now, if you're, make it like to my age, so me, I'm 23 years old. If I make it to 78, I'm already a third of, the, of my life done, 29%. Isn't that crazy? And some of the older leaders, maybe you're like doing the math yourself, like, man, it's getting closer to 40, 50. Like, that's if we make it to, to 78 years old. Oh, well, I'm going to make it past it. I'm going to make it to 80 years old. Like, I'm going to make it to the 90s. It's like, are you? A third, one third of people don't make it to 80 years old. One third. Let's say, for instance, you didn't make it to 80. Let's say you made it to 50 years old. Well, you as a 13-year-old, if you made it to 50 years old, you're already 26% of your life done. You're already a quarter done if you make it only to, only to 50. A quarter. You only have 37 years left. 444 months left. 13,505. It's like, you get the point that I'm trying to make. It's like, okay, if you're really to say, man, I make it to 78 or make it to 50 or even 90, it's like, man, the, the days, are, days are going down. They're counting down. It's not that much left. And the shortness of our lives, the response shouldn't cause us to be like, whoa, like, man, that, we said, it should be humbling for us that our life isn't very long. James 4 tells us what we should think about the, the fact of our lives being short. Look at James 4. If you're already there in James 1, just one page over in my Bible to the right, James 4, verse 13, says this, Hey, come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So we're writing to the people who are like, Oh yeah, you know what? Tomorrow we're going to go here, and then next year we're going to go vacation here, and then in the future, man, I'm going to start a business, and you're planning all these things in the future. Say, hey, Watch out, before you do all those things, this is what you need to remember. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Hey, you think your life's very long? It's like, it's like that mist, that dew on the grass. That like, only if it's really cold out, you see a little bit of like water droplets on the grass and then like it hits eight o'clock and it's like already gone because that's how long mist lasts. It's not very very long. Our, our life is short. It, it's humbling to think about that. I mean, before, I mean, not too long ago, I, I was a junior high leader, and I, and I know a student in particular that didn't make it past high school. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The, the future is not. Wow, thanks, Nathan, for a great uplifting sermon today. <laughs> If you're new, it's a rough first point to walk into and realize your life is short. But why, why does James write this for us? Why, why does he want us to think about these things? Why does James want us to think about how, how short our lives are? Because by thinking about how short our life is, it makes us focus on what really matters. What's significant? What's important in these handful of years that I have left on this life? Psalm 90, verse 12, which is one verse after what we read earlier about our life soon being gone, says this, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We need to number our days. Think about, man, our, our, don't have that many. Why? So that we may get a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. What's wisdom? We talked about it last week. 
being able to live life from God's perspective. If we're saying, man, I don't have much, much time left, so I want to do it well, if we think about how short our lives are, it's like, man, I'm going to focus more on like, doing what God wants me to do. I don't have the, a whole lot left. That's what should focus us on, being wise. Man, how would God want me to spend this time on, on earth? I want to spend it well. Should also The shortness of life should also cause us to think often about our own death. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2, it says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Say, it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. Why is that? I'd rather go to a party. <laughs> it's like, if, you're, if we said, okay, you can either go to game night or we're going to have like a funeral the next week and you can only pick one of the two. It's like, well, sign me up for the game night. It's like, I don't want to go to a funeral. Like, uh, like, you've probably been to a funeral before. It's like, back in the old days, they'd have like the body up in the front. It's like, ooh, like, I don't want to go to a funeral. Like, I'd rather just like go to a party. Like, eat good food, like, like Super Bowl party, like eat, eat like food and eat more food and then watch football, eat more food, eat more food, watch football, eat food and food. It's like, that's what I want to do. Like, why does Solomon in Ecclesiastes say it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting? It says this second half of verse two, for the, this is the end of all mankind. Say, this is why. This is what happens to everyone in the end. We all die. And the living people, they will lay it to heart. They will Think about it. What, what, what is this life really about? What really matters? Jonathan Edwards, when saying, hey, these are things that I want to be resolved to do through my life. He wrote these things called the resolutions when he was a, a, young, a young man. And he said, hey, this is what I want to be resolved to do. He, he wrote this. I want to be resolved to think much on all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstances which attend death. He said, oh, you know what I want to do as I get older, as I become an older man, start a job and moving forward? You know, I want to think often of, of me dying. That's kind of weird. Like, someone take Jonathan to the hospital. It's like, that's kind of weird to think. It's like, yeah, I mean, but thinking about death, if you're being super enamored about, yeah, I just like, can't, can't wait to die. It's like, okay, yeah, there's an extent of that where it's like, that's wrong. And like being super stoked about like the process of dying, it's like, that's weird. But what he's saying is, man, I want to think often about how short my life is because it makes me focus on what matters. It makes me think differently about the stuff that I have. Why would James write this to the rich man? Because the rich man who's super prideful about all the stuff that he's got, he needs to remember, hey, what, what good are these possessions in the end? Look at James 1, verse 11. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. And its flower falls and its beauty perishes. Our lives don't last very long. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. See, this rich man, he's focused on just making money. He wants to be a successful businessman. He wants to gain a big following on, on TikTok or YouTube. Like, if we're bringing it into the modern context. It's like, that's what he's focused on. Having a mansion, the nicest car. Well, guess what? If that's what he's focused on, guess what? he's going to fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Those pursuits don't really matter because he's going to die. And guess what? All those earthly things that you thought were super valuable aren't really that valuable in the end. It doesn't matter after death. It doesn't matter if you were Jeff Bezos' wealth or if you have a bunch of narrow bucks which were, are worth nothing. Sorry, James Goodrich. <laughs> Sorry, they don't, they're not worth that much. It's like, it doesn't matter in the end. We should do what point number two says, which is, don't prioritize earthly treasures. Don't prioritize earthly treasures. 
the things that we treasure, that we really value, if they're things of this world, they don't last. I mean, they don't even last for like a few years. Like I, when I was younger, I had, um, I guess not younger, junior high and high school, I had in my room like a shelf where I put all the things that, that I deemed valuable. And so when I was younger, I was in ASO a lot, so I got these ASO trophies, and I'm like, that's sweet. I like did pretty well in ASO, so it's like, let's put those ASO trophies up there. That's pretty cool. I also, like in junior high, like went to the math Olympics a lot because that was a, a thing at my school, at a private school that I went to. And so it's like, got some ribbons at the math Olympics. I'm like, oh, look at me. So it's like, those are pretty valuable. So it's like, let's put those, like, those, those math Olympic like, ribbons up there. Um, I was like recently looking through it because I recently moved moved out of my parents up in January, and so I was like going through stuff to keep or like things to throw away, and like also found other things up there. I don't know if you're too young for this, but these things called perler beads, which you would put on like this thing that had spikes, and you'd make like different designs, and then you would put wax paper on, and you'd iron it, and you'd have like your cool little design. Okay, a couple of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like I had a shoebox full of like these things that I'd made when I was a kid who was like, that's pretty cool. I'm going to like keep them up there. And now I'm going back through it as I'm moving out being like, man, what should, what should I keep? What should I get rid of? And all the things that I mentioned, you know what I did? Took a picture of them, picked them up and threw them in the trash. <laughs> it's like, like, who cares? Like ASO trophies, really? The things that look the same every single year, it just has a different photo of you <laughs> because a different jersey on the team. Like it says the same thing. Oh, I got to the semifinals as opposed to the finals this year. Great. It's like, <laughs> like okay, what's good? Like, why would I keep those? I'm just going to throw them away. It's like, oh, the, the math Olympic trophies that I got, you mean like ribbon with like writing on it that says I got third place? It's like, yeah. I thought that was so like cool. As a, <laughs> it's like a junior higher. It's like, yeah, let's throw it in the trash. Those perler bead things, it's like, okay, well, they can go right into the garbage. And there's even a little struggle sometimes because Becca's like, dude, just throw this all away. And I'm like, no, but this is, this is like, this seems important. Like, it's my ASO trophy. Like, it's like this big. It was so cool. It's like, like, what are you going to do with that, Nathan? It's, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty garbage. It's like, those things like, didn't even last a while. I realized, man, those things that I thought were so important back then, it's like they're not that important anymore. And you've probably had the same things. The things that you valued as a fifth grader, Probably some of the things that you would look back now and be like, who cares about those things? Things that you valued as a first grader, you'd look back and be like, yeah, like, who cares? What are the things that we value? Maybe like iPhones is something that you'd be like, man, iPhones would be sweet. Or a, a computer, a, a nice electronic device. It's like, well, well, how long do those things last? Well, not very long because iPhones got to come out with the 5 and the 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. What are we at, 25 now, 30? Like, yeah, we're like getting there. Then it's like the C and the X and the plus. It's like, man, we got all these distinctions. It's like, because guess what? Things change. If you had the same iPhone for 10 years, it'd be like, man, like you need to upgrade at this point. It's like, because they don't really last. Your clothes. Maybe you were, when you were younger, you're like, oh, this outfit's so cool. And like, I want this specific clothes. Or like these certain shoes are like so, so nice. Or like you got white shoes and you want to keep them all nice. And so like you keep them pristine and then someone steps on it. And it's like, oh, like I don't like you because you stepped in and you put like a little dent on my white shoe. And don't like that. And then they, you're like, it takes like a month. And then they like are basically like turned like my shoes are like black. It's like, you know, these were white shoes. No, they were. Uh, it's like. Even clothes, it's like, how long do you wear your clothes for? You thought, oh, this outfit was so cool. It's like, you look back, and it's like, eh, really? That's what I wore when I was in fifth grade? Like, 
It's kind of weird. Like, I'll look back at photos of me in eighth grade and be like, wow, Nathan, you were such a loser. It's like, <laughs> the things that I thought were cool, it's like, why are you wearing that shirt? Like, hey, it doesn't matter. Do you play with the same toys that you did when you were four? It's like, you probably don't, <laughs> unless you have little kids. It's like, what? They, they don't mean as much to you anymore. Because guess what? The treasures of this world do not last. Maybe even things that we think are, are more weighty. It's like, this, this has got to be more significant. Money. Oh, man, well, if I had a, money, a lot of money, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be insignificant when I'm 30, when I'm 80. That would still be pretty important. If I had a house, a nice mansion, if I had a cool car, if I had a Lamborghini, it's like, I don't think when I'm 40 that that's going like, to be, be less important. Cool car, nice house, money. What about being famous? It's like, well, if we were to ask the famous people about all those things, the ones that have it, well, guess what? A lot of them, they, they, they want a nicer car or a, a bigger house. Or now this house got to have a waterfall and then it's got to have a water slide. And it's like, it, it's not even enough for them, the people that have all these things. Because guess what? It doesn't last. Even the things that make it, and say, yeah, you have a house, and it's a nice house now, and it makes it through your entire life. Well, what happens when you die? Who cares? What good is it in the end? Death is the great equalizer. Egyptians, back in the day, you probably learned this in history class, when they buried their dead in um, the tomb, they would often bury them with some of their possessions with them. And so... Sometimes they would dig, that's actually why grave robbing was such like a, a big thing back in the day, because you would go into these tombs and dig them up, and guess what, there'd be like nice possessions in there. So like the rich people would be buried maybe with like furniture or like food in the afterlife, because it's like, man, I'm hungry, like I'm going to be hungry in the afterlife, so like I better save a pizza with me so I can go eat the pizza in the afterlife. It's like they would save up these things, and then they got furniture or like maybe like nice jewelry. It's like, oh, I got to get the drip in the afterlife. It's like, like so I'm going to... I'm going to put these things next to me so that afterwards, it's like, I'll have them with me. And we can look at them and be like, like, are you serious? You really think like in the afterlife, you're going to be like, man, good thing I had this hot dog next to me because I'm really hungry. Ah, I got my hot dog with me. It's like, yeah, I wanted my, my nice Nike, my nice Nikes with me after your life. It's like, oh, sweet, perfect. They're right here. Good thing I had them next to me. It's like we look at them and we're like, or we look back and we're like, okay, like, really? You think you're going to take it with you? But how many of us live life as if we do take those things with us? As if we live our life so focused on those things, almost as if we think we can take them with us. Live our whole life in pursuit of, man, I, you know what I really would like to be famous one day? When you die, guess what? Who cares? Oh, in pursuit of having the nicest house. When you die, who cares if you lived in a shack or if you lived in a million-dollar mansion on the beach? You can't take it with you. It doesn't last. Matthew 6 says rather what our attitude should be. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We establish that these earthly treasures don't really last. Man, what, what should our focus be? What are the things that we should value, the things that we should treasure, things that we find significant? Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus kind of flips on the head the idea of the day because it's so easy. I know we live in a world, very materialistic world, where, man, if I have more things than the person next to me, I think I'm better than them. 
or if I'm smarter than someone else, I think I'm better than them. Or I've got a bigger Instagram follower count, so it's like, man, I'm cooler than that person. It's like all of these earthly treasures. Jesus says this is what we should, we should do. Matthew 6, look at verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Don't be focused on the things here on earth. Why? It's where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It's like, guess what? They, they get ruined. Your, your clothes get ruined. Your, your uh, possessions, they deteriorate over time. Your car, I guess we're going to need a new car. It doesn't really matter. Or, oh, you got a lot of money? Well, yeah, it doesn't maybe go down over time unless, like, I know inflation is really high, so I guess it is kind of decreasing in value over time. It's like, but also someone could just come into your house and t- steal your money. Thieves, they'll break in and steal things from you. They'll hack into you and take all the money out of your accounts. Like, that can happen. Don't be focused about the things here and now, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, hey, think about things that are more important, heavenly treasures. Then verse 21, the section we all often skip in this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Say so, hey, the things that you really treasure, that, that's, that's what your heart desires. What do you want? Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but that's really what you desire. That's what your heart values. Or you don't have a lot of friends and you would just think the best thing would be like, man, to be this influencer where everyone just like looks up to me and thinks I'm great. It's like, is that what your that where your heart desires? No, your heart should desire and treasure heavenly treasures, things that last forever. Was it wrong to have earthly possessions? Is it wrong to have a nice mansion, have a million-dollar job, to have a huge following on social media or on YouTube? Like, is it wrong to have those things? No, it's not wrong to have those things. But is it wrong for your heart to be all about those things. Yes, it is. Also, it's not wrong to have earthly treasures, but oftentimes the people that have a lot of earthly treasures are easily tempted to put their trust in those things, have their confidence in those things. These rich believers in James 1 might be tempted to have their confidence be in these earthly things that they have rather than their confidence in Christ and even abuse maybe sometimes the power that they do have when they shouldn't. Well, Nathan, what if I had like a lot of stuff, like the nice house, nicest things, like think about all the, the good I could do for, for Jesus if I had a mansion. Like I could invite my small group over. We'd have the best small group fellowships at my mansion. It's like, that'd be pretty sweet. Or like forget like Lake Havasu for revival. It's like, we're going to do it at my massive house on the beach. Like, that would be so awesome. I could use it super well for the glory of God, building up treasures in heaven, things that last, using it for church, building up his kingdom. It's like, well, shouldn't I then pursue earthly treasures? It's, it's true that if you have a lot of earthly possessions and earthly treasures, you should use them for, for the sake of gaining heavenly treasures. So, like we said, it's not wrong to have more possessions than someone else. It is wrong to think you're better than them, or to have your trust be in those things. So yeah, if you do have a lot, then use it for God's kingdom. But oftentimes we say, oh yeah, if I had an, a Bugatti, I would use it for God. <laughs> would we really? Like, is that really why you desire it? Or is it because, oh man, 
yeah, I would drive someone to church, but also the people at church would see, oh man, dude, that guy's got a Bugatti. That's kind of sick. That's sweet. We've got to evaluate our motives. It's not wrong to have earthy treasures, but it's wrong for us to treasure and really value those things as the most important. Yeah, if you have them, use them for God's kingdom, but that doesn't make you any better than anyone else. Focus on heaven, storing up treasures in heaven, which is doing things here on earth that matter after we die. So, like, let's say, hey, getting a, becoming the CEO of a company, working my way up is like, does that matter after, after I die? You might be like, no, and I'd say like, no with a caveat. It doesn't matter that you were CEO, but guess what? The way that you worked your way up the ladder does matter to God. Did you do things right? Did you give God the glory? Did you use that way, working up the ladder? Did you use your, your platform as a way to share God's kingdom? So in that sense, it does matter. Like, hey, say uh, save up enough money to buy a, a, the big, big old mansion, it's like, well, does it matter that I bought a mansion? It's like, okay, ultimately, like, in the end, it doesn't, like, I can't take it with me. But, like, the way that you earned your money does matter to God. And the way that you do use those things, it does matter to God. But ultimately, our focus shouldn't be on the things, but really on, on the character of our heart. Am I doing things that God wants me to? Are the motives behind them honoring in his sight? Am I storing up for myself treasures in heaven, things that last, living out the fruit of the Spirit, growing in holiness, sharing the gospel with other people. I mean, if we want our focus to be not on this life, but on the next, focus on heaven, what ultimately matters in the end? Whether we're right with God or not. James 1, verses 9, in the beginning of verse 10, he reminds that to these believers he's writing to. James 1, 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. A poor Christian doesn't have, a much, doesn't have much. Don't be so nearsighted that you're just thinking about the things that you have. Look past it and remember, you're right with God. You're a child of God. One day you're going to be in a place where there's riches upon riches, treasures upon treasures in heaven where moth nor rust don't destroy and there's no thieves to take it. Last forever. Look past that rich. Don't just be focused, think you're great because you've got all this stuff. Look past it. Remember that you now have the humility by the power of the Holy Spirit in you to be a servant of Christ. Remember your position in Christ. That's what we should really treasure. Point number three, value your position in Christ. That's what we should value. That's what should be the treasure of our heart, that I am right with God. And one day I'm going to be with him. Where riches abound, where treasures are forevermore. So we should value. Once you write down that point, turn your Bible to Je Jeremiah. Sorry, you're in James. Turn over to Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 9. Because the idea of boasting here in verses 9 and carried over into verse 10 is almost seems like opposite of what a Christian should do. It's like, wait, aren't we as Christians told not to boast? Like, boast, that's kind of like prideful, like, Aren't we not supposed to be prideful? Why should the lowly brother be prideful? It says boast. That's not right. Why should the rich person boast in his humiliation? That's, that's not a good thing. Jeremiah 9, verses 
23 and 24 gives us some clarity on this. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. So, if you're someone out there who thinks you're smarter than other people, don't be prideful because, oh, I'm so much smarter than everyone. Next, let not the mighty man boast in his might. If you're stronger, you beat anyone in the narrow in the arm wrestling competition. It's like, hey, don't boast and be prideful thinking you're better than everyone else because you're more powerful, you're more mighty. It goes on. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. That's what we've been talking about a lot today. If you got a lot of money, got more things, got nicer things, don't be prideful about that. Don't think you're better. Verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Boasting in general isn't good, but there is one thing we can boast in. It's not ourselves. It's boasting, hey, that I am right with God. And how am I made right with God? It's not through me. It's through Christ. That's why 1 Corinthians 1.31 can say, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Not boast in ourselves. Well, look how great I am. But hey, one day I'm going to be in heaven with, with God. That's all glory due to Christ. That's a great thing. It should cause us to rejoice, be excited. Wow, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Boasting is not in itself always a wrong thing, but it matters what we boast in. We shouldn't boast in ourselves, rather boast in Christ. So if you don't have much, boast that you're a child of God. Remember 1 Peter 2.9 that says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That as John 1.12 says, you can be a child of God. You should boast in that. Don't be downcast because you don't have much. If you do have much, hey, boast that you are a slave of Christ. You're a servant of his. Take pride in that. And be humble because our position in Christ is not due to ourselves, but ultimately due to the, the glory and the praise of God. We should be humble people as a result of this sermon. Not be so focused on just this life, but looking to the next. I've told some of you guys this before, but some of you probably don't know that 26 people have died and 64 people have been injured playing Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. 26 people have died, according to this tracker that I saw, and 64 people have been injured playing this video game. And this website that I saw, it like has each one like tracked, and you can like see like how people have, have like died playing this video game. It's like some of it's like people like they're like on their phone and they're like walking, like trying to catch them all, and be like, oh yeah, here we go, out into the middle of the street, and bam, smacked. It's like, e, yikes. Like, other people have been, like, trying to do it on their car because it's like, man, I, got, I don't have time to walk. Like, I got to catch them all quickly. It's like, I'm just gonna driving around. And they're, like, driving and they're distracted on their phone. And guess what? They crash and they die. It's like, and 64 other people have been injured. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's people that, like, aren't even accounted on this list. It's like, it's like a lot of people from playing Pokemon Go. It's like, it's like, I don't think anyone, does anyone play Pokemon Go anymore? Like, be careful if you don't, like. I heard it might have discontinued, so I don't know if it's still, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure. It's still up? Okay. But all of a sudden, you guys who said you don't play Pokemon Go, it's still up. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, think about it. These people are 
so focused on, got to catch them all. Like, let's go. Like, they're looking down at their device, and they're so focused on this that guess what? They don't see the semi-truck that's coming right towards them in the middle of the intersection smack. Are we people who are so focused on this life, storing up treasures here, being the most popular, the most famous, having the most money in this life that we totally forget about how short our life is and what matters in the end is whether we're right with God. If so, you're living your life just as foolishly as the person playing Pokemon Go. May we focus on what really matters, not be distracted by this life, but think about what matters in the end, which is the next life. Let's pray. God, help us to be focused on what we ought to be. It's so easy because all of the, the non-Christians at the schools that we go to and the sports teams that we're on and the families that we interact with, those that aren't right with you, that's what everyone's focused on, just living our, this life as good as they can, just having the most stuff here because it, in a lot of their minds, it just we're all, we're all done when, when, when we die. God, help us to see the, the ignorance in that point of view, in that perspective, to see how wrong it is to think that at the end of our lives, we just go into the ground and cease to exist, but rather we're held accountable to you. And we're held accountable in, in the sense of that whether we're right with you or we're not. Help us to value and treasure and care about that most, not about our stuff, but our status of being right with you. Help us, if we're not right with you this morning, to see that that's the most important thing that we can have is eternal security. Help those who are not in this room to, God, I pray that they wouldn't be able to go another day without having their confidence and their assurance that I am right with God by turning from my sin and putting my trust in Jesus. God, help the Christians in this room to not be distracted by this world, but to focus on storing up treasures in heaven, doing things and spending their time thinking about and desiring things that matter in the next life. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.